All right, so let's get started here. Uh, I'm here with Tanya Simulik, and Tanya has a it's a really big story. Like I was reading the emails that you sent, and, it, and the, everything you sent me, I believe, is just uh, back and forth emails from there's a talking to you who, who's a, a person that was in the service, mm-hmm. and um, back to. What's my that? brother. It was my brother. Okay, your um, brother was part of it, but I thought there was somebody else that, like, an advocate or something like that you were, or somebody in the healthcare industry. Oh, correct. So, um, well, all of my brother's caretakers, when well, his his team of social workers, nurse case managers, all those people, okay. the, along with his company commander and his first sergeant, his first sergeant, and a lot a lot of different people. But so the the emails that you read that were back and forth yeah. were part of the uh, the the story or the history, right? Um, that I, I had ended up writing letters to our senators here in Illinois. Okay. And okay. so that's part of what I sent them. Yeah, they were really cordial with everything, with what you were doing, you know, what you're writing. Yes. Uh, but let's, I, you know, um, I like to get a little bit of, like, you know, uh, a brief on what's going on so I kind of mm-hmm. understood. But, uh, you know, we need to cover everything because people sure. who listen obviously didn't, aren't going to see those. Um, so let's talk about you first okay. your your history is you are still active military or no no i retired okay, in retired. july of 2018 okay. so about a year and a half ago all right so mm-hmm. from the start wow how do you end up in the military what do you do in the military What's... i uh i grew up in uh bourbon a and okay. and then uh went to upper grade center and then i went to bishop mcnamara for high school okay. and Worked at the Burger King on Court Street. There you go. <laughs> and for, I started on Kennedy Drive and then went to Court Street. There but you go. anywho, I uh, I I was going to KCC and okay. I was I was so I was taking classes and I was working at Burger King and I had my own apartment and everything and I knew that there was something bigger out there for me and I yeah. it was hard. Um, we we were we did not grow up with money. We were very no, poor. We, did, we, we didn't even have a car for most of the time. So I knew that I had to get my education in order to um, make something of myself. And I, I just, one day I just woke up and thought, I know, I'll join the military and they'll pay for my education. Sure, sure. And that was the plan. You know, I'll go in the military and, and then I can do my four years and then come back here to Illinois because uh, Illinois has a program where if you go into the military and serve your term and then come back and keep your Illinois residency and then come back to Illinois, you can go to any state-funded school and okay. then and it's paid for. So is that the GI Bill? Or? It's not the GI Bill. Okay. It's a, it's it's a Illinois. Illinois. Mm-hmm. Now, other states don't have the same thing if you're from that state? So other states do, like Texas has it, but it's called the Hazelwood Act, I think, in Texas. Okay. And here, um, I can't even recall what it's called because I never ended up using it sure. because I decided to stay in the military. No, which seems like mm-hmm. a really great uh, thing to do. I mean, my dad, I think he was on the fence as to be a lifer in the military. He was a, a Marine in, in Vietnam. And um, like I was telling you before the podcast, I come from a military family. Like my grandfather's 101st Airborne, World War II, he was wounded at least two times I heard three. I need to get like my uncle who has like every document and everything. But my grandfather is a paratrooper in World War II, European theater. And like there's stories, crazy stuff. Like he's he's got the keys to the Blue Goose, which was Hitler's blue Rolls Royce that he had. 
they caught the captain that was trying to leave with that, and my grandfather swiped the keys, and he brought him home. Wow. So, uh, and then my grandmother was a Marine also. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, and she was, at that time, obviously not combat or anything like that, but still all, you know, all service, just middle-class family that didn't have big, you know, college, any, no one, you know, right. did that. So that was where we all went. Uh, I came out of high school really didn't have anything going on either i was started working construction right away and uh the first construction job i got was kind of a little bit like it was it was real busy at times and then got slower and i'm like you know what I'm, uh, a buddy of mine was going to join the marines i'm gonna join there was no war going on there was nothing no desert storm nothing happening yet and uh i had the recruiter at the house and my father was like came home and he looked at the guy and he goes no he goes this is not he goes you get out of here and then the XD I never knew how he felt about you know I was like 17 and a half or 18 years old at the time that wasn't 18 yet but uh I didn't know how he felt about because he never talked about any of it I knew that he served I he wasn't even a guy that you, you wouldn't even see him like if you saw him or were around him you wouldn't even know that he was in the military at all like you you wouldn't I knew because we had some plaques in the house and stuff like that. There was like 3rd Marine Division and stuff like this. So I knew that. And then, you know, my mother would use it like as, you know, your father will kill you. He's killed people before. <laughs> uh, so nice, right? Right, right, not good. <laughs> uh, so, um, but that's the sort of family, you know, background that I had. So I totally understand that, like, you know, if you're working at Burger King and all that, the military, that's a terrific mm-hmm. thing. It does seem to set you back if you spent four years in the military and then you came back and you wanted to do four or six years in college and you went in the military when you're 19 holy lord you're you're like 26 27 years old mm-hmm. by the time that you're ready to like get a job for the first time a real like a regular job in the world right so you stayed in, in the military army air force air force okay and then what did you do in the military? Like, what was your... When I first left... Well, I left here in 1993. I graduated high school in 1991. Okay. And then I, you know, did life for a little bit, and it was it's not so great. <laughs> and so I decided to... I joined the military in 1993. Okay. I left in um, October of 93, and I went to basic training. And then um, you go to technical school and... Um, I went to medical laboratory technician school. I was enlisted because I already had college credits. I was able to go in as an um, as an E three because you can get some credits okay. for um, for previous college. Otherwise, you go in as an E one. So enlisted, enlisted, third third class or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In the Air Force, it's um, an E three is a uh, Airman first class. Okay, and then. Uh, so then I was able to put that on right after basic training. And then uh, I went to five months of medical laboratory school where it was just classroom um, school every day. Okay. Um, and, the, and then uh, after that, you, because the, it's a very technical school, you do a phase two where you do hands-on training and then you do an hour of classroom every day, but you're actually working in the um, hospital, in the laboratory, sure. learning. And so I was a medical laboratory technician for my first like seven years. I was stationed at Eglin Air Force Base in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And then uh, I applied for a special duty assignment and I went to Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, Shepherd Air Force Base, where I actually then became an instructor and taught laboratory to the students coming out of basic training okay and then while i was there i finished my bachelor's degree 
and I applied for a commission to become an officer, and I was accepted um, into the Medical Service Corps, which is um, healthcare administration. Okay. So I did laboratory for my first 10 years, and then I became an officer, and I did healthcare administration for the next 15 years. So I spent okay. a total of 25 years so good active golly, duty. You, you really had all the tools and all the experience to be prepared for what was going to happen with your brother and then like go into what was going on with him because you had to know the ropes, right? Correct. You were already like familiar with that system. Absolutely. And, um, and he, well, and, and what I did at first too was I didn't want to use at the time that all this happened, I was a, I was a Oh four, a major. Okay. Um, and I didn't want to use my, um, rank as, um, any type of like, hey, I'm a major and I want you to help my brother. I didn't want them to even know that I was in the military. Okay. So I started out dealing with them just as um, I'm his sister and I want to help him. And I never yeah, okay, let them so know that. It seemed like that in the emails. Like at first, yes. it was a lot of just ma'am. And then it was major towards yes. the end. So like the third one, there was major this, major right. that. So like at some point... Did you pull a rank and be like, all I, right, listen. You know, I didn't. Um, what ha what happened was um, I had been emailing them from my personal email account. Okay. And then um, when the, the stuff started to get really serious, I needed an email address. I knew a name of one of his army um, leadership, but I didn't have an email address. But so within the um, military, like there's websites you can go to that are only for military. Mm -hmm. I went on there and found that email address and then I emailed straight from, from there and I was on my work computer. And so that was the first time and he, it was his um, command sergeant major. And he said, why didn't you tell me you were, you know, a major? Shouldn't have to. I said I'm, I purposely hid that right. from you. You're because advocating for a guy that's. I want. I don't want it to be. I'm helping him from my rank standpoint. I want it to be. I'm. I'm a person who's helping their brother. Right. I'm a sister helping her her brother, not a major trying to tell a command sergeant major. Mm because any officer outranks that and the sure. army's very serious about rank and structure there you go okay all right mm -hmm. so let's let's we'll backtrack a little now what happened to your brother because i that that was the one i could not read billy's okay. history your your brother right. billy so your brother billy joins the military joins the army joins the army okay. in 2005 so okay. almost what 12 years after i joined yeah quite a while mm -hmm. right and um he joined the army and he was do he was doing great and uh, he went to uh, airborne school. He was a combat medic, a '68 whiskey, and he was uh, airborne. And then he got he his first time going to Afghanistan. He went for a year out of Fort Benning, and then the second time he went, he was stationed in Vicenza, Italy, and and the uh, 173rd Chosen Company, and. He went to, he went there again for another year out of there, and when he came back from there, he got stationed at Fort Irwin in California, and at Fort Irwin, he was doing great. He was like the general's uh, driver, and he was they, it was it's called the NTC, the National Training Center, okay. and that's where um, the army goes to to train before they go to Afghanistan because it's very desert and it's, sure, it's so they have sure, a lot of sense. it's a training place there. So he was like the general's 
aide and he was driving him around and he was doing great and he was just about ready to get promoted to E6 and his um his colonel bought him a new service coat to wear to his promotion ceremony and everything and then all of a sudden everything just went bonkers i don't i i I don't know how it happened, what happened, what the what the catalyst was, but he this is October of 2013 and I remember he would call my mom and she'd leave like crazy crazy voicemails on her um answering machine and my mom was so 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 upset she's she's I just I don't understand it she kept him on there and and he I, I mean like Not, craziness like I, I can't really even describe like, it right like i don't understand what what like yelling at her like you did this to me and you you made so he he thought that the government paid my mom and my sister um to let him be a guinea pig for the government oh wow yeah and he he was he was calling my mom and telling you know people were following him and so then he was getting in trouble a lot he was getting um one time he called me i remember it was like um i want to say it was the day after thanksgiving or something and i was stationed in san antonio texas and i was bowling with some family friends and family and he called me and he was running and he was running from he said there was all kinds of people chasing him. And he okay, went, okay. So wait, wait. Now, was he a troubled guy before no. the military ever? No. no. Okay. And is there any history of... I don't know where this is going because I didn't read the history thing because yeah. I couldn't open the file. Um, is there schizophrenia or something in the family or anything like that? Because, I mean, you know, I got some listeners that are definitely into conspiracy theories and they will be like right on board with your brother that he was... Right. probably being followed and probably a guinea pig right. in some craziness right. because this sounds like it's coming out of left field like right but it but so here's the thing is there are so many people that have the same story that he has this is making it even this is even making it worse like they they have there is a phone number or he called he is much better now okay um but at this time and for a while afterwards there's a there was a phone number where all these people called in and he there's hundreds of people on this phone call and they all talk about their experiences and their stories and they're all very similar like he okay, thought can we, can we dive into that a little bit like yeah what are the stories like what what is so going they they feel like so at one point he thought that he that the government was training him to be uh, in the CIA. Okay. So they All were, right. you know, and he, that, that people, that the mind control. So that he said he would be walking somewhere and he didn't know where he was going, but he would just end up somewhere that he was supposed to be because they led him there. Like he said, his nose, he could feel his nose twitch and he would just follow his nose. Whoa. And he said that they implanted um, Q 
cameras in his eyes and Bluetooth in his ears. And then that's part of how they controlled him. And these other people say this too. I mean, like, I, so I've read some articles that there is a race, like, globally to create super soldiers, like, to do this sort of thing where you could, and, like, I'm a history buff, too. The the German army in World War II, like, the reason that they were so successful early on, I don't know if you know this or not, they were all hopped up on meth. Like, they were, like, given, um, it's like parabellum. Or, I, I did not know that. Yes. There's... Um, so um, I've seen it in a couple of places, but w- what really covered it pretty good was on Netflix, there's a documentary called World War II in Color, and they talk about the Blitzkrieg. They took France because these fuckers didn't sleep for like three and four and five days at a time. So you like tripled your service members because they were fighting. They didn't have to sleep. No, they're 24 hours a day just coming at you, coming at you, coming at you and never stopping. When the French were trying to sleep, like they're still taking ground, taking ground. So, like, you know, just, and the Germans were famous for, like, trying to manipulate the human body and, like, genetics and, like, you know, all this stuff. So, um, I got to look up what the, what the amphetamine was, but it was meth. It was, it was crystal meth is what it was. And at that time, the crystal meth was a pill that you could just get in the pharmacy as a pick-me-up. But they were taking, like, mega doses mm-hmm. of it and then, like, you know, out of their minds attacking the the French and then running them over. So like you know we have this this uh, feeling that the French are easy to surrender. They were getting pummeled. They were getting hammered by this force that was coming at them. Like they couldn't understand how could this size force just run us over? Right. They were three times the force because they were up eight hours three times instead of right. once. So um so and they say that like with that uh, they've got that CRISPR technology. I don't know if you know, so I read all these crazy articles. But CRISPR is a technology that they're saying that in the near future, like they'd be able to change your dark brown eyes to blue because they could genetically modify you today, not like your children, but they would slice your DNA. And then also people will be able to go in and be like, all right, I'd like a six foot two blonde haired baby that's athletic, um, like whatever you want to make out of it. I've read read that. Mm -hmm. And it's supposed to be totally like feasible that they're going to get there with this. And that's what we know in America. We can't even imagine what the Chinese are doing. And then if you listen to someone like Alex Jones, he claims that they're making pig-human hybrids and all this other stuff as super soldiers to you know to, to war. So like what you're talking about is super interesting to me. Like to like really listen to what you're saying. So okay, so this is he was. In his head, he was implanted with all these things. Correct. Enhancements. Correct. Did you see the ghost in the shell? No. Oh, watch that. That's a futuristic thing where everybody's enhanced. So, like, you could get an enhanced liver to handle alcohol. You can get enhanced eyesight. You can get enhanced hearing. And everyone's got, like, implants that make them superhuman as far as that goes. And that's what this was. There was a woman who was killed, and she was put into a like robot body with her brain and she didn't know who she was like the kind of erased part of it but she was super enhanced she could like jump really high she could do all these crazy things and it was you know like 200 years in the future but wow you would imagine everybody walks around with a supercomputer in their pocket right now right. you would imagine that at some point um i just had a silence my phone they're gonna implant that in you and you could just be like hey what is this and then pull it up in your own brain and then the one my sons are always, my sons are uh, 
like AP calculus and AP physics. They're they're smart kids, and uh, they're waiting for the um, Matrix one where they're just gonna download like you know I know kung fu, and you know, like this right yeah. now. And I would love that too because I mean like I want to learn every language, all that other stuff. But that technology, I don't think, is that insanely far off. So, like, what your brother's talking about, if someone was talking about that 50 years ago, you'd be like, that's right. just crazy. But now... I don't know if it's so crazy. Well, and like right. you said, there's a, there's a lot of people who are interested in conspiracy theories yes. and believe in them. Yeah. And if you go back in history, there's an awful lot of social experimentation. Yeah. Oh, geez, the Tuskegee Airmen. The they, Tuskegee Airmen. Right. Or uh, I watched a movie not so long ago where they 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 got some uh, volunteers from college and and half of them were um, guards and the other half were prisoners. I don't know if you know oh, what I'm talking yes, about. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And how I saw it that documentary. their behavior. So, right, they, they just assigned the college students, okay, you're going to be a guard, you're right. a prisoner. And they ended up being, they were like some of the nicest people in the world. The guards abused the shit right. out of the prisoners. The, the power. Yes. And, and, and so, uh, you know, social experimentation yeah. and, and what the government is doing that we have no idea about because sure. I truly believe there is some things out. There's a lot of things out there there's that we don't There's things they do documentaries know. on. They did one um, because of space travel. They're doing ones on isolation. So they're putting somebody in a pod with four other people and saying, can you people live, just the four of you, isolated in this super small area? It's got everything you're going to need inside of there, but you can have no contact with anyone outside of here for like two years. And they start to lose their fucking minds. Well, of course they do. Right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. Wow. But you gotta, they, get, they have to, for, if you're going to travel to Mars, they got to figure out a way for you not to lose your fucking shit. Because right. you're going to be in a capsule with freaking four people right. for this amount of time it's not going to work out right so uh so okay so all right so he had bluetooth implanted yes. cameras implanted he yes. was being directed where to go right was he hearing voices were oh they... yes okay yes, they were yes. talking to him okay. and and um they were telling him what to do and they uh, and then so and then also like when he when it started getting really bad he only trusted me and I'm not sure why or how that happened, but he told, he would tell me everything or he would call me and, um, now were you ever worried that someone was listening? I wasn't, but he was yeah, right. I think he's gotta be right. right. Super worried. Well, I, so the first time I went there when I was, I was talking to him, I, um, I talked to his command sergeant major and I said, um, do you think it would be okay if I come there? You know, because I'm I'm in Texas and he's up in Northern California, and I'm like, I, do you think I can come there just so I can see what's going on? I'd be there in a heartbeat. Yeah, look him in the eye and see I'll, what's happening. Let me tell you. So I went. I did go. I went, and um, the first time I went was in December. So this all kind of weirdness started like in October of 13. And then, like I told you on the Thanksgiving call, he was being chased. He ultimately ended up getting. Um, arrested by the military police and put in for um disturbing the peace or something and then um i went there in december and i got to his house and his house he first of all he had a cardboard box that he called that it was full of just random stuff that he called evidence so he had this box full of 
evidence. And basically what it was was um, parts and pieces to like TVs and radios and any type of electronic thing that was in his house that he had dismantled because he thought that they, um, they had planted stuff in his tv and stuff to watch him and that his neighbor's bluetooth or his neighbor's tv could get into his tv so they could watch him he also thought that his house he lived in um, military housing he also thought that his house was um set up to be bugged and cameras and everything before he ever moved in so this was a a whole plan before he even got to fort Irwin. right which sounds a little bit like nuts but a little bit not they say that there's smart tvs out there that have cameras that people don't know about them that are reverse facing so they can look at you Mm -hmm. you know every laptop's got a camera that they say like the uh who's the guy that's in russia right now uh, uh snowden Mm-hmm. That is positive that they're, and he's one of the NSA people that was doing it. I've watched that too. Right. And then there's a whole line or uh, brand of phones that's not allowed in the U.S. They're uh, Yahweh's or Huawei's. They're a Chinese brand. The government won't let them in the country because they're positive. It's Chinese that spies. Chinese is just going to spy on everybody as far as that goes. But they say, like, we got some kick-ass phones, right? I mean, like, I got, I got a Samsung that's a really good phone. People are walking around with, like, great iPhones and everything else. They say those Huawei phones are, they, like, knock them out of the park. They're, wow. they're way better than that. We can't have them because they'll know everyone's everything. Right. So, like, what he's saying it's not that far-fetched. No, it's not even like a little bit far-fetched. It, it's almost like on the nose. Like. But, and, and like it, his, his uh, physical appearance changed as well. So he lost a lot of weight. Like he was down to like 160. He's about, I would say he's probably six foot, but he normally weighs like 185 or whatever. He's very fit. So um, 25 pounds is a lot. A lot. He right. looked very slight. And his face was... Uh, would get all red like he would send me a picture he's like look what they're doing to me and so like he would send me a picture of his face all red and and then he would go um to the er or you know and they're like can't find anything wrong with him but then one point i got a call this so this story is all over the place right now just so you know like i'm trying right because as we go through don't they like uh periodically weigh you and stuff like that just to like they do but they don't care how skinny you are usually you just can't be too fat yeah but like it seems like if you drop 25 pounds and you weren't a heavy guy six foot 185 is not that's pretty thin that's fit to begin with fit yeah. yeah well he um they already knew that he was off right because okay. he was getting in trouble and then so he was they put him into a a clinic to work the front desk at a clinic and then then he thought there was some conspiracy there with the medical records or some something so then they moved him out to logistics the medical logistics warehouse and so when i went out there um i met the people who you know he was dealing with and when i first got there i flew in and i rented a car and oh i flew i think i flew into las vegas and then rented the car and then drove there and um he made me take the antenna off the car and he's like did you pick the car or did you just take whichever one they gave you oh i was like i just thinking about everything oh yeah i was like i just took the one they gave me so and he's like we got to take this we got to take the uh antenna off so he takes the antenna off and and 
then we would drive around and he'd like see you hear that like the the radio would just like go to static or something and so this is according to him this is all them doing this or one day we got up like really early in the morning like six in the morning to go do his laundry at the laundromat on post and there was a guy in there and then he's giving this guy a hard time because he's like who sent you here why are you here right now so we're at the laundry yeah, right, at six sure, in the sure. morning and he, this other guy is there and he thinks he's there to spy on him. To, to spy on him. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. And I was like, Billy, I'm sure, I'm sure that's not it. I'm like, he, it's six in the morning. Why do they care if you're doing your laundry with yeah, your sister? You know what's so cool about the story is like you have, first off, you're, so you've got like, you've got all the information. You're his sister. You know this person like very well, right? Like, I mean, this is your brother. Mm-hmm. And you also know the military. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what's normal and what's not normal right. and everything else in the military. Right. So you're like a completely objective person who also would have maybe a little more tendency to believe your brother in something that he's talking about. Because you know, somebody that's just met him is going to be like, oh, you're you're off. You're completely like you're a crackpot. But you have like a barometer. You can mm-hmm. look at it and be like, this is, you know, who you were when you were a kid. And now what are you doing? Like, this Oh, is- it was like my brother died. It, it was it was almost like wow. like a going through a grieving process, you know, like yeah. it was not my brother. It was like he died and someone else replaced him. He was a completely different. He still is uh, quite different than he oh, was yeah. before this happened. Okay. And um, he, he, so back to his house, I, um, yeah. with, with the... Uh, the box of evidence, right? So the he changed his phone number. He kept buying burner phones, and he kept changing his phone number. Then he got um, he had the box of evidence, and then he said he was smoking a lot at the time, and he would go get cigarettes, and, and he would um, he thought that they were putting drugs in his cigarettes. So he, at, at one point, when I left, I came home with a Ziploc bag of a of Marlboros, so that I, he wanted me to take them and get them tested somewhere. And I'm like. Okay, I'll take it. So his house had, he had started tearing his house apart, but okay. but not to the extent that it was at the end of, of, by the time he got out of that house. But anywhere where there was um, like a smoke detector, a fire alarm. For sure, yeah. Off. Yeah. Every movie. W- you've wires read, cut, hanging, yeah. everything. He pulled the, there was like cable wire outside, you know, where the cable is underneath the ground. He had pulled all that up. He had cut like outlets. He had pulled the outlets off and cut the wire. Anywhere where there was like anything in the ceiling or in the wall that could be, have something hidden behind it was all cut. Now, he never had any training for any of this. Like this was never a thing that he was never like... He, did he ever have plans before this to like be in the CIA at some point? Like, no. Was that never his aspiration? To... No. Okay, all right. No, he joined the military because um, he had two kids and there wasn't a lot of work to be had. Yeah. Um, he had a bachelor's degree um, in, I think, sports management or sport yeah sports management or something and um there just wasn't a lot of work to be had and so he decided i was in the military already and so he decided to join the military he was 28 when he joined yeah so older guy Mm -hmm. wow yeah okay so he's 28 when he joins how old is he when he starts to like when things start to go off the rails um well it was 2013 he joined in oh 
five, eight years later. So 36. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because right. I remember when I would go to all of his appointments with him once, once we, we, um, I ended up spending a lot of time in California and yeah, for sure. I was traveling my own job. I was active duty at the time and my own job required a lot of traveling. So basically I just never really went to my office in San Antonio. I just did my travel that I had to do. And then when I wasn't traveling for my work, I would be in California because he ended up being, um, admitted inpatient psych, uh, several times. And so every time he got admitted, I would go there and, um, he, I, I can't even describe to you the feeling like when you go to a uh, psychiatric ward and I went in and asked for my brother and then when he came around the corner, it's just like very emotional um, and shocking. Like his eyes were like black and, you he's know. He's drugged at that point. Well, yeah, and he's just not right, you know, yeah, and right. and he's, uh, you know, he's not shaved because you can't have razors and he's wearing the scrubs and the socks, you know, and it's just, it's very, it takes you aback, you know, it's very Now uh, he's got a shocking. wife and kids at this time. Now at this point, he, um, he, when he was stationed in Italy, he got divorced from his wife that okay. he has his children with and they were back in Illinois. Okay. But he had gotten remarried. And, um, so he had a new wife, but when he started acting like that, she left and went, she's from Las Vegas. So she went back to Las Vegas. Okay. And then okay. while I was, while I was there in California, I helped him, um, they got divorced, which was probably the best thing to happen. Did you ever talk to time. her? Like, Oh Yeah. Yeah, but she will. She would call me, and she would be like, "I don't know what's going on. He's acting crazy. He's blah right. blah blah." And and um, ultimately, she just kind of faded off, you know, what? Oh, because right. yeah, yeah, because yeah. he was just really. He would only talk to me, and he would only trust me. And then he um, and I would tell him, you know, he's like, "I know you think I'm crazy or whatever." I'm like. I believe you. I believe, I believe you. And, and I don't, I don't, I, t I don't like to, um, I don't want to call it a lie, but I just, I don't want to appease him. I wasn't, I wasn't trying Enable to, him or anything like yes, that. I wasn't right. trying to do that. But what I felt comfortable saying that I believe you, because I truly believe that he believed mm -hmm. that. So I yeah. do believe everything he said. I believe him that he. The only way you would have figured out is to, is to gain his trust. Anyway. Correct. Right. And so, so I couldn't. He just shut you out if you were like, you're nuts. You know. And so that's one of the main points that I um, wanted to make with this is that, you know, he started acting really crazy and my mom was totally upset and would, didn't want to talk to him and my sister and my aunt. And then, so I was helping him with, you know, I was giving him um, money or like in the military, they have the, what's called a military star card, which is a credit card that can only be used like at the BX or the PX on base. And you can use it for gas and clothes, whatever you need, you know, on base. So you'd load his card. So no, I would let him go into the, into there and use my card. Okay. I could put him as an authorized user on my card. So he get essentials with it. He can't get anything. Crazy. He could go get gas. Like he needed some shoes, whatever. And my aunt, she's like, Tanya, you got to quit giving him money. You got to quit. You got to stop it. He's cause everybody's like, he's crazy. He's crazy. He's just, and I was like, no, 
I'm not going to do it because the minute I stop talking to him and listening to him and helping him, no one's going to know where he's at. And -hmm. he's going to be one of those guys out there on the street holding a cardboard sign saying, please help. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And and I said, I'm not going to let that happen. And so many soldiers have been abandoned by their families and friends and their command because they started acting like this, mm-hmm. not exactly like this, but behavioral right, issues, right, whatever. Right. Um, and many times it has nothing to do with behavioral issues. They're mentally ill. They're very sick. Yeah. And at one point, the point where I actually wrote the letter to the senators was when his nurse case manager broke the rules because they have meetings about these high-risk patients, the whole team, the social worker, the psychiatrist, the with the Army commander. And so my brother's in San Diego in the Wounded Warrior Unit at um, Balboa Naval Hospital. And they're meeting with the commander at Fort Irwin over teleconference or whatever, and his nurse case manager called me and said, I am um, not supposed to tell you this, but I told you that I would let you know if there was anything with your brother's case. And she told me that the commander at Fort Irwin wanted him to be sent back to Fort Irwin from the Wounded Warrior Unit in San Diego to be... Um, discharged on disciplinary actions and she told me that the whole team told this commander how sick he was and they're like this kid is sick she said why don't you come and spend a day with him and then you tell me if you think he's sick or not right and the leadership at Fort Irwin did not care and at that point um and she broke I mean that's patient confidentiality. Yes, that she broke all kinds of rules by telling me that. But this is happening to so many people. And and because they can't talk about it outside of there, you know, then what can a family do to help mm-hmm. that person if they don't know that that's yeah, what's happening? family's always really good at turning their back on people as it is. Like they Right. They, I watched a documentary on uh military people that are homeless and they're choosing to be homeless. Like they there's programs they could get into to get off the street that they they want to some of them have the same psychosis where they're like they're looking for me they're listening to me all i want to do is live in this tent to be by myself mm-hmm. there was another there was a movie that was made too it was like without a trace or something like that and the guy had a daughter he was an ex afghanistan vet and all he wanted to do was like walk off into the woods and like live off the grid sort of a thing because he didn't want anything to do with society and it's you know he was he felt like he was uh you know, betrayed by the government as far as sent to Afghanistan in the first place and stuff like that. Like, he should have never been there. And, you know, he didn't trust anybody anymore. So every time that, like, they would, because he had a teenage daughter, they would get him, put him in a house. He'd just find a way, as soon as they calmed down, like, watching him, to pack it up and, like, sneak off. And they'd be gone. So, yeah, it, there's something needs to be done with that situation for sure because we can't have all these guys that serve the country and then now they're brains are scrambled up now was there an incident with your brother that triggered this do i mean did he did he see was he a combat vet did he yes. see okay so he was was he fine for some part of that and then 
Uh, you know, he doesn't. He hasn't talked much about it. Okay, he doesn't have a worker, social like a psychiatrist that he deals with too. No, he never. Even when I would go to all of his appointments with him, um, social worker, psychiatrist, he allowed me in to everything. So I took him everywhere and sat in and listened and when he wouldn't tell them things i would tell them you know i'm like he says he's doing better but he's not you know Mm -hmm. this is what he's saying and um so he as far as like what happened over there no i i I, he never talked about any of that wow like yeah that's gonna be hard not to crack as far as like if a guy won't open up about what's going on well at one point too they they had went the his command went and took him uh all the knives out of his house and so they were communicating with me so i knew that this happened and plus i'm communicating with him at the same time so they went and took all the knives out of his house and then they put him in a um i guess they have like trailers on on the post where it's like a little one person trailer when people need somewhere to stay or something so they put him in there okay and took him away from his house and then after that night that that happened and they took him and he told me that they took him there, they went back to his house and they hadn't seen his house and it was atrocious. I have some photos. Maybe if we do like, maybe if we do like a part two or something, I'll make sure sure sure. I bring uh, the photos or something. But um, they saw his house and he had damaged his house, his little base house to the tune of $7,500 by tearing it apart, like window frames, everything. Yeah. Positive stuff was correct. Like it reminds me of like a beautiful mind. Exactly. That's exactly when I went into his house the very first time in December. Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, Oh my God, this is like a beautiful mind. Like he had evidence, you know, and he had all these papers and he showed me these papers and I tried to help him, you know, like, well, let's call this person and see, he's like, this isn't right. And I said, well, let's call them or let's, you know, get to the bottom of it. And I would help him like investigate stuff. But then, you know, he did, he had several episodes of psychosis where he got delusions of grandeur, like that he was on some sort of big, you know, important mission. At first they diagnosed him with delusional disorder. Um, At one point, they um they did say they did diagnose him with schizophrenia and um but they also said it's not typical to get schizophrenia when you're almost 40 years old see now i thought it was i thought that's when it manifested itself was like late 30s into your 40s i think there's all kinds of people that from what i had read there's all kinds of people that seem that show no symptoms of it and then when they get into middle age then it comes comes out but i don't you know, so if he actually does have schizophrenia, like I, well, I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe it was always like there, but then the trauma from war or whatever, maybe. I always thought schizophrenia was a thing too that, uh, like, that's why I asked if there was a family history of it because I thought people always had it like, you know, grandpa was a little, you know, funky. Yeah. And, well, so um, we don't know our paternal grandfather. Um, okay. So we don't, uh, um, my, my, our father passed away when he was 53. He was an alcoholic and a drug addict, but so like, and also, you know, cause I've, I've thought that before, well, maybe, you know, my dad or, History, right? right. Maybe that, um, but you know, mental health wasn't a big topic back then. So it's very possible they were mentally ill, but yeah, you know, the crazy thing about that is like, uh, I had a, a Marine on that, that ran a bunch of long distance triathlons. And he, we were talking about for the podcast, 
he was talking about like there's this culture in the military of people claiming disability that are not disabled. True. And so like at one time, if you had PTSD, they just said, ah, he's shell shock, whatever. Like, you'll be fine. Just go home to your wife and do, you know, whatever you do. They didn't care. Now they've swung the pendulum back the other way where they're trying to do something about it. But I think they're just giving them spots to, like, hide or, like, you know, programs to get into that are funding, giving you money sort of a situation. And then people are taking advantage of that that don't need it sort of thing. And that was making – this guy did – this guy's this guy was he, – he's the real deal as far as the military goes. He – you know, was that shrapnel, and he's a marine sniper, and, and all this other stuff. Afghanistan, I think Afghanistan, he got wounded in Fallujah, but he was wounded like three times. And um, so I'm, I'm, you know, he, Mike is a guy that if you talk to him about something else, you wouldn't know. Like you would just be talking about whatever else you're talking about. Like he can talk about anything. He's a really intelligent guy. Um, his kid's a wrestler, so we would always talk about wrestling stuff and everything else. But he. I mean, he's got to have some sort of he, whatever he does. He he deals with it really well. Like as far as he goes, because he went into depth with holding this guy in his arms when this guy died, and you know, like he got on this one thing, and his captain was it was the first time he met the guy, and he died, you know, that day, and everything, like just real bad, like rough stuff that he saw. Um, and Mike's a highly functioning guy, like does just fine. Mm-hmm. So, but he's like not that understanding. I don't think about people who didn't see much and then they're all screwed up right sort of thing so right. uh which i understand it's gotta be a, a hard lot to of deal with are. in that setting though because if someone's abusing it that muddies the water right like you can't figure out right which is why so many like i said you know so many soldiers are um are being discharged for disciplinary actions but it's actual mental health issues and then they are not entitled to the benefits that someone would be entitled to that has ptsd or emotional psychological issues from right 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 yeah yeah no it's 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 such a fine line to walk and then when you get a a patient that doesn't want to even walk any line he wants to go walk way over there i mean so okay so I want to stick with the story because it's so wild and it's kind of in my wheelhouse for like all this other stuff where Mm -hmm. he's like the surveillance thing Mm -hmm. because we live in a world now like you know i got that echo dot thing i love that for playing music and control yeah right i got a ring doorbell yeah right right right. all that stuff's terrific i went to uh uh, my son's bought me an auto start for christmas for my for my car Mm -hmm. and uh i went to best buy to have it installed and it's like like if you got to ride out of here it's going to be about two hours for us to do this and i'm like i don't i'm just gonna hang out so two hours in best buy for me is a bad thing to do <laughs> i'm looking at every single thing in there and the most interesting thing was the security stuff oh my gosh you can surveil there were like six packs of cameras you could have a screen in front of you with like six different screens and cameras everywhere and outside and inside mm-hmm. and um so to think that like the stuff your brother's saying this is the stuff you could buy at best buy what do they got mm-hmm. in the military Correct. as far as in that goes? Right. So, I mean, they're, they're putting cameras on a rocket when the thing goes into a place and they still have the footage. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's wild stuff. And, right, if your brother saw that stuff, like, I, 
I think you took exactly. Oh, I can't. It's a joint. It's though. okay. Yeah. Uh, just um, and if he does, he does. I, I, the first couple of times he tried to get involved, I was like, you know, knocked him off of there, and I broke stuff, and I was like, <laughs> all right, he's fine. It's fine. Uh, but I think you did exactly the right thing. It seems like I don't know if I would have done the right thing, but if you take a step back from it, and you go, oh, you gotta like try and hear what he has to say, understand what he's got to say, not. Give him the cold shoulder, not tell him to like pick up stuff by his bootstraps or right. any of that shit because something's going on. Was there ever any medication that they could give him that all of a sudden he was like back where he's like, hey, here's my guy again? No, they gave no. him medication. So they gave him, you know, like the um, antipsychosis medicines yeah. or whatever. No, nothing. Nothing brought him back. Now he's starting to come back a little bit. You know now why? Why do you? Think? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's why I tend to think it's not schizophrenia because. Oh yeah, I don't think you get rid of that without. No, and meds. and right. So, I I. I don't. I don't know. I. I. It's. It's inexplicable. I mean. <laughs> I. Ooh, it is, and I mean. There's so much things, so many things out there that I don't like. I'm a skeptic on most things, like even like hypnotism and all the other stuff. But if they can get into your brain, like you know, I don't like yeah. And then and we don't know. No, and then we're dealing with a weird time in our history too, where you know these guys are are being taxed in a way where I know guys, a guy that was in the Air Force. I think he did like six times he was in Afghanistan. Like it's too many times over a guy's life to well, and then what happens is it's hard to it's hard to readjust when you come back because so you're you're in the military. I was in the military for twenty five years. You're in the military. You go to work. You do a job. You go home mm-hmm. most of the time, right? You yeah. do training and you have your things, right? But you go to and and so I worked in a hospital my whole twenty five years doing different jobs. But you go to work and you're doing like 20 people's jobs all the time because half the people are deployed. Sure. <laughs> so right, right. somebody's got to do their job. Yeah. So the people who are left behind are trying to do that. But then the people who go like, so you go spend some time in Afghanistan, even if you go for three, four months, you're there for a purpose. You have mm-hmm. a mission, you have a purpose and you're, and you're doing stuff and that's all you're doing. You're not worried about all this extraneous crap. Yeah, like right. I need to take a, a PT test or I need to you yeah, know right. do these they're called CDCs career development courses okay. or you, just anything you know right. like oh I gotta go to this potluck because so and so is going away yeah, right, just, right, you don't right. have that you know you're focused and so then you come back here and you're just like all this stuff just seems so minimal like mm-hmm. you know what I mean like, like of such oh, yeah, little right, importance right, right. and if you're a combat vet I'm guessing that the, just the the heightened sense of alertness and everything else all of a sudden is turned down and then everything's not as kind of well so i never had to be in a combat zone right um i have been overseas but not i've never been in a combat zone um but some friends of mine who have they will come back and just even if like somebody dropped a book they were down on the floor under the oh, desk yeah yeah still the same yeah or my you know and they have talking about the programs that they have there's they have a really good program for um for ptsd uh the wounded warrior unit down in san antonio at fort sam houston is incredible and 
just the cat. <laughs> tail, just tail him, on the microphone. You push him down anytime. <laughs> whatever. whatever. He, he definitely is a friendly. too much noise. Whoop. That's all right. My cat's like that too. Um, See, now Mike was uh, big on the uh, Semper Fi fund. And he felt like they were directing more money to the people than Wounded Warrior. Like he was not high on Wounded, Wounded Warrior. Warrior. No. Well, the um, so I don't know. I'm not familiar with the, that, so right. I can't compare. But he he had personal when he was wounded in Fallujah. They flew his his wife was a school teacher in in Orland here. And they pretty much put her on a plane and flew her out there. to Berlin and then, you know, like all that other stuff to be by his side. Yeah, Wounded Warrior is doing that now because I think you're correct in Good. that the fa- in the fact that they, I don't think they did used to do that. Okay. Um, I think I heard rumors, I don't know for sure, that, you know, they were getting all this money, but it wasn't getting put towards the right thing. It's a really terrific name, the Wounded Warrior thing. Like, it sounds like a great marketing thing. And I just worry, anytime someone gets too much money, I worry about... Where what they're doing with the money? Well, this facility. So when my brother went there to the one in Fort Sam Houston, he had a, a room. So they have like um, they had built them brand new, like almost like uh, dorm rooms, you know. Okay. And so he had his own room, and then they have a whole like campus there for the Wounded Warrior, where they have like this big kitchen. They have places for hang out. They have all this these activities like they can go, um, like at Six Flags there in San Antonio they one day they would just they would take the wounded warriors and their families yeah. to, for a day and you know and so they had all kinds of, of things and they would pay f- you know they pay obviously for the families to come if they're because there was a burn unit there in, oh, uh, in right, San Antonio right, right. so the um, the wives because so, at one point I was going to um, the support groups and so there was some some women in there who oh, I can only imagine whose spouses were really bad shape and, yeah you know and but they the they were taking care of them that's another one too you got to add in all of the regular baggage that comes with just a couple to begin with right so you got a couple that you're gonna fight even if they, even if nothing was even if both of you just worked at the grocery store you're gonna have arguments mm-hmm. and things are gonna get out of hand and you know men are pretty dangerous to women to begin with like it's all it's all pretty hairy to begin with then you're going to add in ptsd and all this other and then an injury on top of it like it could be it's got to be like a a monumental uh task all right so your brother's in and out of the psych ward all that other stuff he's they're trying different medications on him nothing's taken Mm -hmm. you're saying that he's progressively getting it seems like to you better now like now now does he step outside of it and say can't believe I said those things. Is he getting to that point? No, oh, okay. no. Mm-mm. He's still certain. He still, he still believes. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Um, but what he says is they're leaving him alone now. Oh, okay. But they're not bothering. You don't think him. he's turning down the volume because he's worried that you're not believing him, or he'll he'll say that every so often. I know you don't believe me, but and I'm like, I haven't, I haven't not believed you oh, before. It's making my head hurt. Like I can't. I, I want to. Ble- I don't even know him. I want to believe him. I want to be like, yeah. I you know I have what's some. Really going on. I have some notebooks at home where I would write down when he would call me the things that he would say, and so I have. I haven't. I started. I. I wrote it all down at the beginning because I was like, nobody's going to believe this shit. Yeah, so right. I feel like I got to write this down, and so I started writing it down every time I would talk to him, and um, and then. I know I have a lot of it typed up in the in what I sent you, and but there's a lot more than what I just what I sent you to start our conversation. Yeah. But he, um, 
he still he says they because I, I ask him every so often he doesn't bring it up as much anymore but um i was like you know do you still hear it and he's like yeah sometimes but it's not as um intense you know but he just doesn't yeah. talk about it because it's not as much anymore and then at first when when he first uh they eventually we were able to get him medically retired from the military okay um, instead of him getting kicked out and not getting any benefits. Right. And it, obviously, he would have a hard time holding a job. He can't. Right. Well, like, he couldn't, couldn't even leave his house for a yeah, long... He right. lived with me for... Once he... Well, once he... We got him transferred from the San Diego Wounded Warrior Unit to the San Antonio Wounded Warrior Unit because that's where I was stationed. Okay. Um, that was a that's a whole other story in and of itself, just being able to get him released from Fort Irwin to be assigned to San, San Diego so that he could be moved to San Antonio. That was a battle because they were going to trying to make it, make um, him pay for the housing that he destroyed. Cause it's not the military's housing is it, yeah, it's, it's right. subsidized housing or privatized, privatized, excuse me. It's privatized housing. So it's a, it's a contractor. So they don't give a crap that this guy's got PTSD and tearing his house apart, you know? So they're like, no, he needs to pay. So I ended up like negotiating with them and I'm like, look, they wanted I'm like, you don't understand. He doesn't have any money. They're like, we'll just take it out of his check for the next year. I'm like, you don't understand. He's not going to be getting a check for very much longer. Right, you know? right. So ultimately, I was able to um, negotiate with them where I said, look, if I give you five grand right now, all of it at once, can can you please? They wouldn't release him from his house and like sign him out of it. So until you get signed out of that house, you can't be released from that post, okay. from that from that. So- so with this situation, because uh-huh. this, this seems like a line of psychosis that would almost be common. You said there were other guys that said the same thing. <clears throat> do they ever like uh, do case studies where they're, okay, I'm going to write everything down that this Mikey's saying. Then I'm going to go over here and talk to Steve and write everything down he's saying. I mean, obviously, if the government's doing it, then you can't trust that because they're the ones that they're perpetrating this situation. But... Like, I don't know, it seems like somebody should be like, if, because if you could get people that were perfectly separate, like Mikey doesn't know Billy and Billy doesn't know Stevie. They don't. Right. And then they have all exactly the same story. They have this phone call, like this number that they call into and tell us shared stories. And he, and I'm like, well, how many people are on that call? And he said a lot. I actually saw a Dr. Phil episode where a guy had the same exact story, but he wasn't in the military. And, um, that's okay. Wow. Yeah. It was very similar. And, um, so at one point, you know how you're talking about the math. So at one point they were, um, saying that this type of psychosis or whatever comes from bath salts. Oh, like the fake, yeah, the yeah, the fake right, whatever fake it is, pop, whatever, Drugs, whatever, right, yeah. right, the synthetic stuff. Correct. So um, they were trying to say that he did bath salts, and then that's what happened. And uh, and forever he's like screwed. Like that, that can't be right. But no, because no. he's even like now he's not as extreme as he was. But he's not. So after he did, after he did get medically retired, um, he had only served he just was just shy of 10 years active duty so um 
he also got VA disability. Originally, he was only approved for 80% of VA disability, and then we I helped him appeal, and we were able to get him 100% mm-hmm. disability. So that comes with a lot more benefits than sure, than 80%. Sure. Plus, he, it's a paycheck for him. Yeah. Um, and then... Uh, and then I was able to help him get Social Security disability, which at the Wounded Warrior Unit, they have all that set up to fast track it. So we were in San Antonio and I went to the Wounded Warrior Unit and I <clears throat> did a Skype meeting with the Social Security Administration because mm. he couldn't fill out that paperwork. He couldn't even he can't even feed himself. Like if I didn't get him food, he just right. wouldn't eat. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so like there's all these things. Like I said, this is my wheelhouse because I read all these things like... Adolf Hitler himself was on a cocktail of cocaine, steroids, and something else. Like they, and meth or something like that. Like he was on all this, like all those speeches he's given where he's watching, you know, mm-hmm. and everything. Like that is, he's on drugs. Like he's, he's, yeah. you know, like way hopped up on steroids and everything else. Uh, oh, human growth hormone was another thing that they were giving him. Mm. So like he was... A, a cocktail of all of this crazy shit. Yeah. Oh, the other one was uh, bull semen. So taurine. That like is in it, Red Bull. That's made from bull semen, right? <laughs> I know. So like they were giving him that too. Like there was they like everything they could give this guy. They were giving him, and this is in the forties and like nineteen thirty nine to you know forty five yeah. or whatever when when he was gone. So I can't even imagine what they could come up with now. And then, like, if you watch some of these uh, documentaries on the bath salt stuff and stuff like that, they just manipulate like one part of the molecule, and then it makes it different. Then, because they every time the government gets a drug that is like they're going to ban or they're going to make illegal, they take down a like a chemical map of the molecule, say, okay, this is illegal. So they take those bath salts and they make them just a little bit different. Who knows what the fuck it's going to do to you? Exactly. But then, so. Yeah, was he ever? I mean, could you? You knew him. Would he be a guy that would do those, like buy the bath salts and do it anyway? Would he be that guy? I mean, I got some friends that were definitely that guy. They would, they would maybe, probably buy maybe, that shit. maybe before his military days. Yeah, I think. Right. But you know, at this point in time, he had been in the military for like eight, nine years. You know. So today, how are his kids dealing with this, or do they deal with Good. it at all? He's no, he's actually. Um, He's been much more active in his kid's life now. Okay, how old are his kids now? Uh, Teenagers or yeah, okay. like uh, I think I think one of them is in sixth grade and the other one is a freshman. Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. yeah. So just just getting into teens and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And th- th- now, do they know his history and everything else? Like I, you know, I don't really know. Man, I know his ex-wife does because at the time, I was trying to deal with her sure. and explain things to her, and because she just didn't know what's going on because it was so nutsy, you know. Right. And and that's why I say when I talk about it being nutsy or so crazy, I just I I. I think it's important to to get the word out there. Like if mm-hmm. if somebody in your family is in the military or um, and they start acting like that, just don't yeah. abandon them. No, right. Now I thought schizophrenia also was one that if they maybe it's different. Like I don't know that much about it, but 
I know there's some forms of schizophrenia that they they drug down. Like they, if you if the guy's on his meds, he's fine. Right. The, the the brilliant mind guy or the beautiful mind guy, if he was on his meds, he was fine. The voices went away. Right. It was all finished. But as soon as he started not taking them, boom, they're right there right. again. And I did a lot of reading on schizophrenia when they were trying to say that that's what it was, and I I did read. Um, you know, for a guy, even a woman, I would think. I, I know there's all kinds of like sexual performance things that like the drugs fuck up. So uh-huh. like that's why a lot of those guys are like, well, I'm not, you know, I can't do that because I still gotta. It's amazing to me that in the midst of all this going on, he was had a wife, got rid of that wife, left, and he got another. Like even with all the craziness going on, he's still like, how you doing? You well, no, because that happened okay. before the craziness. Oh, oh, oh. So the second so wife was before the craziness. Okay. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. He right. met her when he was in Italy. Got it. Okay, and okay. then the craziness started shortly after he got to Fort Irwin. All right, all right. Uh huh. And okay. yeah. And uh, at one point, they, one of his um, supervisors had called me and told me about how he's like, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, he just came running out of the warehouse, like, saying how he's so hot, hot, and he was taking his clothes off, and he, like, just hopped on a... Uh, a forklift and like and he's like i don't know what's going on and then so at one point they thought well maybe it's like i guess people who are diabetic can get crazy like that or something i don't know i didn't know either but okay so but the people that are around him that that obviously are dealing with you now do they deal with you because you were in you're in the service like that you are no because i was engaged in what was going on okay that's why okay yeah so but the people that are around him like this supervisor and stuff like that they're talking to you and they obviously can't be in on the cover-up, right? Because there'd be things that they wouldn't tell you if they... if, if Right. No, they had no idea right, what was going right, on. Right, they were right. perplexed as I was. <laughs> okay. So then what's the what's the path now? What is what is he required to do? Yeah, he's on disability and stuff, but is he just like on his own? He, um, kind of. My um, He was... So he lived with me for over a year in San Antonio. And then he came here and lived with my mom to in Kankakee. Okay. Came and lived with my mom and then um he he stayed with her for a little while and then he got his own place just down the just down the street from my mom. Mm-hmm. And so then she like he'd go over there and and for breakfast and eat and but that would be really the only place he would go. Okay. Um and then that was well, when was that? 2016, I guess. Late 2016. How's his weight and like is he? No, he's just now starting to go um, to work out again. Okay. So like he'll go for a run. Um, he has a weight set at his house. He still doesn't really like going in public much. He will now. So he's got like a little like agoraphobia where he doesn't want to. Yeah, well, yeah, because you know he for a while he didn't want to go any go anywhere because everybody was Watch he him. thought everybody yeah everybody yeah, right, was watching right. him. He was or, having confrontations with people just at the laundromat and stuff. Right, like that. exactly. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Okay, so so he's but health wise he's doing like physical health wise he's doing yes. Now that's a that's a crazy th- like a that's crazy for the lack of a better word, but that's a thing that they have to deal with is nobody can see the injury that's Correct. going on with him. So like, you know, you like, yeah, that's a, that's a tough. They actually, um, wait, how you say no one can see it. So 
Um, they're in the military now. They are building what are called the National Intrepid Centers of Excellence. And there's like 12 of them. There's, well, originally the 12. I don't know now because it's been a couple years since I've been involved in that. But um, they're building one right now at Eglin Air Force Base in Florida. And it's the Invisible wound center or whatever it's oh, for yeah, the right, right and it's for mental health and that's what they call it the invisible okay um, so the center what would that what would that entail do they have like my thing is is i'm so worried that they that they that they spend so much time just on the monetary like getting the guy enough money to have housing and everything else so we can forget about him like I, I, the the goal would have to be that you'd want Billy to be Billy again, right? Like that you want to somehow rehabilitate him into a situation where he can be a guy that gets a job and does a thing and right. has a life and goes to the VFW to have a couple of beers or whatever like that on a normal basis. Right. Are they doing that? Like uh, this 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 facility you're talking about, are they equipped with mental health practitioners that are... Well, there, yeah, that's for... And, and that's more for like the extreme cases like when they first come back and stuff okay, right. but like for as far as my brother the va um so his care is now through the va and so um they do have a lot of services i go to the va myself so they do have a lot of services and um they have the what's called a cboc here in Bur it's in bourbon a it's a community-based outpatient clinic okay and so they have, they have more and more of those now. So they'll have the big hospitals. Like we have Jesse Brown and Hines that are in Chicago. Yeah, right. But right, then right. like here in... Yeah, Jackie was talking about, was here talking about that stuff, right? Yeah, Dude, so, yeah. but we have here in Bourbon A, the, the um, CBOC. So like you can have your family family practice doctor there and then you can um see them and then they can refer you out and then you don't have to pay for any of that right, you know, right. The VA covers now it. how does that work with the with the i know guys that were you know in the military and i think i know some guys that were in the military that were never combat vets and stuff like that is everyone that that served able to just go to the va and get well, it depends. Because you know, if you weren't like dishonorably discharged or something like that, it depends. Um, so everyone who serves in the military, whether it be two years, five years, ten years, whatever, um, when you get when you separate, you um, get a disability VA disability determination. Got it. And so if you have any type of service connected disability, you can be seen by the VA for that condition. Okay. Um, but you can't if, go there for a sore throat. Correct. Right, stuff Correct. like that. Right, okay. Yes. All right, so anything that could have happened while you were in service, you can get Correct. seen for that. But if you're 100% disabled, then... You can get seen for everything. Everything, right, because right, right, everything is tied to that everything. situation. Mm -hmm. And the mental thing's got to be, like, there's got to be guys out there that hurt themselves. Like, if you think you got a Bluetooth implanted in your ear, maybe you're trying to dig it out. Oh, well, and he, and, and you know, that... Along the lines of that, the suicide rate for veterans is extremely high. Right. And right. Um, I really, at one point, thought he was going to kill himself. Well, he would call me and say he was going to kill himself. Sure, sure. You know, and, and I'm like, no, it's not worth it. You have kids. Just, you know, think of all the people you're going to hurt. We can get through this. Uh, I he One time I stayed on the phone with him all night long because he had they had taken him when he was in California and they brought him to uh, his NCO's house and it was his NCO and his wife and he was made to stay there with them that night. Well, he was in a spare bedroom, whatever. He called me from there and he was freaking out because he, he, he thought that someone was outside trying to, you know, like just like in wait trying mm -hmm. to shoot him. 
Yeah. And so I'm on the phone. I was like, look, I'll stay on the phone with you all night. Like, just put the phone by your head and fall asleep. And I'll just be here on the other end if you fall asleep, you know. Yeah, right, right, right. And I... No, it's you're scary. Yeah, like, yeah, you, I couldn't. You went the extra mile for sure. You know, I got a neighbor that. So, I, I moved here from Manhattan, and when I was in Manhattan, I had six acres. I had this really big house, and my nearest neighbor was like 250 feet, you know, to the left of me or whatever. Like they were a ways away. If something was going to happen criminal wise, out there would have been the place to do it. Like you would kill a family of five, and no one would probably even hear the shots because you're far enough away. You're inside the house, whatever, like that. I never locked the doors. I was like, whatever. Like, I'm not, that's not how I live. I'm not worried about that shit. So I moved here, and I was kind of operating on the same thing. I know Minnesota Vision, so like the dog's always growling at something and everything else. About six months into being here, my I was in the uh, out out by my garage, and I turned around, and there's my neighbor in like in my garage right there by me. And I'm like, whoa. I go, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I was just going to come and talk to you. And I go, you really got extra close to me before you even made yourself aware, like made me aware that you were here. Mm-hmm. Freaked me out a little bit, right? I'm like, all right. But he's a neighbor. And we had like some issues with him when we were doing the construction here. He kept calling the police. And the police would show up and be like, listen, we can't. He just parked his car in front of your house. We can't like take him to jail or, or yeah. check his you know immigration status because he was a Mexican guy or something like that <laughs> because of this. So I'm like, this guy's got some problems. I was coming home about uh, eight or nine months into being here and he's in the street and he's waving me down right so i roll the window down it's summertime got my arm on the thing he puts both hands on my arm and he starts talking to me i'm like first you're touching me this is weird and then secondly he took his one hand off and he's putting it on his ear and he's like yeah i got yeah he's talking to somebody right i thought he had a bluetooth thing on his ear or something and he's like starts telling me about the fbi and they're looking for a fugitive in the area and uh he's already talked to the fbi and told him told the fbi that i'm okay and uh it's you know like i'm fine to come in and out of the sector or something like that and then he turned there was like a sound or something behind the car he had nothing in his fucking ear and i'm like son of a bitch this fucker's nuts mm-hmm. like i got problems now this place is locked like fork fucking knocks i mm-hmm. mean I, I got nothing in here that anyone wants to take but like i don't want like to come home with this dude's naked in my house. Right. Like, like, <laughs> so, and he's got a Marine flag flying out there, but I don't know if that's real or not, like anything. I guess my issue with it is I think that these guys, if they're out of sight, they're out of mind. Mm-hmm. So as long as your brother doesn't, you know, kill anybody or make any, you know, big problems for anybody and he's not calling them constantly they don't give a shit. Like, it's not a thing where they're like, he's not our problem anymore. Mm-hmm. But you essentially, if it's like what your brother says, they obviously created the problem. Mm-hmm. But if it's just from the military, you know, combat situation, that you still cause the problem. Like, this guy was a perfectly fine human being before you guys mm-hmm. got a hold of him. And now all this is going on. It's, I mean, it's, it's hugely intriguing to me to hear what you have to say. But on the same hand, it's also sad. Like, it's like, oh, my gosh, this poor fucking guy. Like, like I want to know what's going to – I want you to come back for sure because I want to know what's going to happen with Billy. Like, I've never yeah. even seen the guy. I don't know the yeah. guy. But, like, my gosh. Like, the, I hope that he's on the road to getting better. I hope it's not a situation where he's just not talking about it because even his right. biggest confidant is, like, you know, there's something. And obviously – 
if there was the cover-up he was talking about, I think you would have sniffed it out. Being you know how the military operates. I mean, the guy at the laundromat, did he look like he was paying attention to your no. brother? Oh, right. No. Right. Well, at one point, he told me that there was, um, you know, like 50 cars chasing him down the highway. And and I, I asked um, his command sergeant major because I, I want to – I recall correctly he was he was like on a bus or he was on some kind of military transport or something and he's like no there was not anybody following him or he one time he ran into the shop at um on bait on post and he was running because he said that there was people chasing him and there was no one there was him. no one chasing him I, no when when i spent the night at his house uh when i first went there the first time he um he had like no furniture in his house like he had a couple lawn chairs in the dining room area and there was nothing in the well it probably felt like he couldn't buy anything because they'd have something planted well yeah or whatever yeah and then he had a full size or like a yeah a full size bed in his bedroom and he's like well you can sleep in the bed and i was like well you could sleep in here with me i mean he's my brother he's like you can sleep in the bed with me he's like no that's fine and then um He's like, I'd rather sleep on the floor anyway because it makes me feel grounded. And so, and then he had like, uh, he had like this, uh, the the blankets that they have when they're out in the field, like, okay. to, like to block the sounds. Like, he, cause he could, he said he could hear like sounds coming through the vents or something like high pitched, oh, something or other. Gosh, I feel so bad for the guy. Holy yeah. Cow. Cause yeah. So these are obvious things that you were like, this isn't. This isn't right on any level. Like th- no. this is not a thing that a normal person, even if you were being surveilled, this is how you would react. No. Like you wouldn't be get right like sleeping on the floor and covering no. yourself in a weird blanket. And, uh, whoa, whoa! Like no. it's just that that's that's difficult, and that's certainly not a commercial for joining the military. Correct. <laughs> Scramble your fucking brain for you. Oh my uh, god! Yeah. No, wow. That that is that's a lot to. Because I mean, I'm just I. I I didn't get to read. Boy, it made the for me it made the podcast more interesting. I did not get to read. I didn't know it was a mental issue. I thought he was physically wounded, and then you had to deal with getting all his care. And there was like you know like that's the conversation I thought we we're gonna have. No, this one is totally out there, and there's so much in our in our history that is fact. I mean, the Tuskegee Airmen they infected oh, yeah. those people with syphilis. I know, right? So like. Yeah, they it's did not terrible, too far terrible out of the, fucking things. No, it's not too far out of the realm of reality. And really. you wonder what they could have done to just would have like tripped him off in a way that like yeah, like did that, and then oh, he had an explanation for everything. Like he he did have some sinus surgery because he had a deviated septum or something, so he had some sinus surgery, and he said that's when they did it. So then he and then he said, look at the name of my doctor, and I I can't recall what it was, but it was something like doc. Robo check or something. Get and the fuck out yeah, of it was right. some you know, like he made it right. like Tanya, look, look at this. You know, and, and yeah. he he had Wow. hmm Wow, yeah, that's that's something. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Very, very yeah. So what <sighs> I need to do is is um get you the rest of the, the paper. I, I can um I don't have it with me obviously, but I can uh, instead of sending you the Word document, I can copy and paste it into an email so you can read it so you can get the full context. Of, yeah, see this is a totally different can... conversation if you're not somebody in the military. If you're somebody I, I was never in the military. From the outside of this, I'm like I don't know what the fuck to believe. Like 
holy shit. Now, obviously, he's dealing with something because has anyone ever taken him in for an MRI or a CAT scan of his head? Yes. To we- show him. Do you think for his own health, like, look, okay, we just did a total CAT scan. There's nothing in there. In, in, like, did you go with him for that? Um. Because he could always like switch the things, right, or something. Right. right. No, I didn't go with him for it, but he got um, he got the image, and my my um, ex husband is a CT um, does the CT scan, so he knows how to read them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sent it the picture to him, and he's like. Mm. No. Right. Why well, a broken neck and like mine looks like a mess. Like there's all oh, these screws and plates and all this other shit in there. So like you would see all that for oh, yeah, sure. Definitely. Right. Like it's only soft tissue that, that, that stuff makes it through. Right. Uh well, so that's good. Because I mean you would think for his own We did. Well you made I made sure we did all of that. Yeah. Because like, right. I was communicating with his providers and his social worker and you know the what the, his social worker in San Antonio, I would go to all his appointments with, with him, and uh, she told me m- numerous times that I saved his life. And, um, I can only imagine that you that for it, sure. Yeah, because yeah, it's like way more extreme than we've just discussed, you know, but he, she's like, you, and then actually probably like a year later after we were gone from San Antonio and everything, she actually reached out to me. She called me and asked me if I could help her because she wanted to help another soldier because they were trying to kick her out for um, a different reason, but along the same lines. And um, you seem like the perfect person. And so I helped. And that's, that's why um, I wanted to. That's why I wanted to talk about this with you because yeah. I, one of the things there's so many there's so many veterans out there that don't get the help they need because they don't know how to navigate the system. Right. And right. I. Yeah, you're the perfect person. For they don't that. know how to even go on there and apply for their benefits. I meet a lot of older veterans. Sure. Older sure, sure. like. 60s whatever 70s whatever they don't they never applied for their veteran benefits now with your brother did he ever try to self-medicate like does he ever like so like okay so i'm i'm paralyzed broke my neck and i have like what i guess they equate it to like diabetic nerve pain right so it's like all through my arms and stuff like that in my hands it feels like uh if your foot was asleep and someone walked by and kicked it like the bees in the bat kind of thing where it's mm-hmm. like it's like that all the time it becomes such a normal that you almost like you don't forget about it, but like it's just there and it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I don't self medicate, but people drop me off pot, they drop me off like you know, mushrooms and stuff like that just to like try and like try this and see if it doesn't take the edge off. When I first came home from the hospital, they sent me home with a bunch of different stuff like for diabetic nerve pain for one was a seizure med like i never had a seizure but it was seizure med they were like they're trying to calm your brain waves that whatever it is but they're trying all these different things and i just i'm not a drug guy i don't want to take any of that stuff to begin with so i would try it for a couple months and be like it's not really doing enough to like justify taking like six horse pills a day right so i would get rid of it and a couple of them made me feel uh like um too like euphoric like i didn't the the pain thing didn't really go away maybe it took the edge off a little but i felt like all the time that everything's gonna be okay like i don't need to do that i need to do that tomorrow everything's mm-hmm. gonna be okay and it's not like yeah pay that damn bill man right? it's gonna, it's gonna be done. <laughs> so um i got you know i don't i don't take anything at all now nothing and you know like 
exercise is my thing, you know, like where I just get out and get miles and hit the gym and, and do whatever I can. And then I keep super busy. I'm a real estate broker, a general contractor. I do the podcast. I coach wrestling. I just stay doing something all the time and then mm-hmm. I don't got to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, like your brother, it seems like he needs something to occupy his brain being a guy that can't like really get a job like that's mm-hmm. got to be tough like mm-hmm. i have three jobs you know what i mean right. to keep myself occupied where he's got that going on um so there were any never any incidents where he was like you know i got myself some meth or like this or whatever no. i'm like all jacked up he did try at one point like after he was already out of the military like to try to you know smoke pot mm-hmm. but it didn't he's like meh it didn't really help you know, no. I thought maybe it would try to, like, calm him yeah, no, okay. and not so be what so about, hypervigilant. Right. What about, like, it, so I would equate that he's got PTSD for yes. sure. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be having, like, incredible results with PTSD with cybacillin, which is the active ingredient in mushrooms, the magic mm-hmm. mushrooms. And they're doing, so it's not like, uh, when I was a kid we did mushrooms and it was like, you know, you ate a stem and a couple caps and then you went out drinking and you had a blast and you laughed and it was mm-hmm. funny whatever like that this is more of a situation in a clinical setting where they like put you on a bed give you a certain dosage in a tea you drink it and then they talk to you about it like it's a, it's a regular session of i know there's some uh like uh big studies that they're coming out with right now where they're really trying it with a lot of vets to because some guys the ptsd is is off the charts where they oh, can't yeah. do anything they also said on a lower level the main uh, cause of PTSD is a car crash. So people get in a bad car wreck, and then they won't go in the car. They're afraid at intersections. They So, like, this therapy has helped them with that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's another one, like ayahuasca or something like that. There's supposed to be another, like, hallucinogenic. There's supposed to be resets to reset the brain on hmm. this. I don't know if it's something worth looking into or not, because I don't know that much about it. But there was a guy that just wrote a book on all the veterans that they're working with PTSD with cybacillin with. And I think Colorado is trying right now to legalize or decriminalize. So if someone's got mushrooms, they don't go to jail. They, you know, can still have it. But I just would like to see your brother, guys like that, like get back onto an even keel where they're okay. Cause from what I understand financially, they're pretty well taken care of. Like he can get, like Jackie explained it, like her dad was a hundred percent disabled but he was getting thousands and thousands of dollars a month and some care and, like, mm-hmm. you know, the VA Heinz and all that other stuff was mm-hmm. taken care of. And then when he got older, he was put into the Mantino home and everything mm-hmm. else. So, like, Jackie didn't have a care financially. I don't know if his quality of life was what it should have been. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, uh, the, the guy was a guy that liked to go out and have beers and yeah. all that other stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was stuck in the wheelchair and everything else. So it was not good. But at least financially is taken care of. But with your right. brother, the financial thing's probably not the biggest part of it. No. Like, so what? I got a house and I got yeah. food and I can't think straight. Right. So, like, um, I always said with the injury stuff, uh, my grandmother, who was sharp as a wit, she, or sharp as a whip, she was the foundation of the entire family. We had a big German-Irish Catholic family with all these kids and like you know 25 grandkids and everything else and she kept it all together she got Alzheimer's and it was gone like she didn't know anything I would rather be injured like I'm injured than lose my wits like yes. can't 
I'm the oldest grandchild in that family, and I remember when she stopped knowing who I was. And I was like, wow, like, I'm 17 years old, and you forgot who I was. Like, I've been around for all this time. Uh, And then after that, she started to forget her own children, like, who they were and stuff like that. So it was really rough. Your brother's situation, that's, yeah, it's tough. Is, Is he happy ever? Um... I think re- more recently, I've seen him better. Yeah, laugh and have a good time. Yes, like um, this past Thanksgiving. I wouldn't know what to do if I couldn't get some laughs. I mean, yeah, I like this, to get a laugh. Yeah, this past Thanksgiving, he had a nice time. Um, we, I had it at my house. Well, because I haven't lived here in 25 years, and I just bought a house in June. There you go. And so I had Thanksgiving, and so he was there. And it was, you know, this is just our family. So he's comfortable with that. He's not comfortable being around like a lot of people so he still doesn't really like to go out yeah in social settings sure but he's getting he's starting to do a little bit here and there which i'm very thankful for is um, he kind of doing it on his own or is it uh well prompted by something uh yeah it's usually prompted by something you know okay. like hey come to the you know want to come with me and he, he he still mostly says no, but I still ask because maybe that one time he'll say okay. <laughs> no, he's in you no know. place to like start dating or anything like that. Like he's just not. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no. right. Um, Which is probably good at this point. He probably needs to focus on himself yeah. as far as that goes. But yeah. Wow, wow. That that was a lot to to to. You know, I don't know if you. What else you got to add? Like, so where is it going from here? Like right now, I don't know. No, <laughs> no I don't know. Yeah, that's it's that's something. Well. Well, we're hour and a half. I mean, if you yeah, well. if you if you have something else that you want to go over, like come back. I mean, and, and okay, definitely. Sure. Uh, I mean, you can email me the pictures and stuff like that. I can throw them yeah. on this this podcast for sure. Uh, that's a that's a wild tale as far as everything goes. Yeah. And like I like I said, I am I would at first be adverse to like believing them, but then if I step back and thought about it, I'd be like somebody somebody's got to believe them because we got to figure this out what the hell's right. going on. Right. But. Uh, all right, we'll wrap it up. Um, you know, as usual, there's a little red subscribe button um, down in the corner here. You know, I, I kind of like, uh, you know, gauge the podcast by, you know, how it does by, you know, what the subscribe numbers are and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's on uh, iTunes. It's on Google Play. Um, rate us on there. Um, interact with me for sure on um, social media. If you think that there's somebody that you know that should be on a podcast, uh, I got Tanya here from uh, Lisa Henson, who uh, you know was their friends, and and you know that's terrific. She had she had brought you up maybe like a year ago, and we were having a party, and she was like, "Oh, my friends." She was talking about all the like the stuff, but she never hit on like what was wrong with your brother, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Which that is, it's it's a wild one for sure. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, let me know what you think. And uh, if there's anything, if someone's in this bag of tricks, this this situation, I'll connect you with Tanya, and she can maybe send you in the right direction. Yeah, because, yeah. wow. I'd love to. But uh, thanks so much for, for the story and everything. It's it's something. Thank that, you. Thanks for doing what you're doing with your own brother. Like, it's it hit me in the heart as far as, like, wow. Like, I hope he gets better. I hope he does. Really, it's, yeah. that's tough. But Thank you. Ooh. Thank you. All right.
No. 